0: Word, I'm going to say the word. In the beginning was the word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Tempe, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in the state and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on Word, Nahai Raimo, National Haiku Writing Month, comes to an end as we teamed up with KJZZ's The Show this month to bring you our second annual Haiku Writing Contest. The winning entry will be featured at the end of this episode. Thanks to everyone who entered in Haiku or even recorded one using the open mic feature on the KJZZ mobile app, like Marnie Landry.
1: Sonoran Desert, asphalt, traffic, snowbirds, living in tandem.
0: We'll also find out how one Valley teacher incorporated the contest into her classroom.
2: We had the rough draft of the research paper due on Tuesday. The kids were really stressed out, and I said, I just need a fun day.
0: But first, the Arizona Matsuri came to the Valley for the 36th year this past Saturday and Sunday. The weekend is a celebration of all things Japanese and was moved to Steel Indian School Park this year to accommodate more visitors. KJZZ Scott Bork stopped by on Sunday to splash through the soggy aftermath of record-breaking rainfall the previous day. Between the stage shows, art and souvenir booths, and dozens of Japanese food vendors, people at the Matsuri Festival had a lot to explore. And a lot to learn about the distant culture, as Art Holman explains. He's the chairperson for the Phoenix Through Each Other's Eyes program, which does cultural exchanges with photographers from around the world.
2: I think it's more important now than ever to have culture and awareness from different countries, especially the state that we're in right now, and as far as not accepting people. As much as we think that they're different, we're very much the same.
0: Ashley Denault came dressed as Ruby Rose from the anime program, Ruby. She's into cosplay, wearing elaborate costumes based on characters.
1: She just kind of like suits my personality and how I am. So i just like, why not cosplay her? The first place that I would think of the cosplay, it's Japanese. It's all about like where anime come from and everything.
0: This year marked the 36th Matsuri Festival. Scott Bork, KJZZ News, Phoenix. Thanks to Scott for that retrospective. The Matsuri has also featured an Haiku Writing Contest for the last six years, and one of the principal judges, Emma Sensone, made some time for a phone conversation with me recently. I began by asking her about the criteria used to judge the entries beyond just the syllable counts of individual lines.
1: The parameters for the contest was for it to be about Arizona. So a simple description of, say, a beautiful flower wouldn't do because how did we know it was Arizona unless it was something specific like a saguaro flower or a prickly pear flower. So we were looking specifically for something that said Arizona. So we had lots of haiku about Arizona sunsets. And so are cactus. We had a couple of road runners, um, lots, lots of haiku about the landscape. So at that point, we started looking for something a little bit more. So not just "a sunset, but is it specific, Very telling? Is it special? Is it not just somebody saying "Beautiful sunset." Okay, that's five syllables, but "Beautiful how?" And, of course, the parameters changed because the submissions came from kindergarten to third grade was one bracket, uh, fourth to sixth grade, seventh to eighth grade, high school, university and adult, and Japanese language. And
0: so then how do you... So clearly,
1: when we were looking at the little ones, we weren't expecting the same level of sophistication as we were from the adults.
0: But I would assume, though, you were still surprised by what they came up with, particularly oh, the, yes. the mind of younger children. It, it, it works very well. Oh,
1: yes. Some of, some of the um, kindergarten, third-grader ones were just lovely. The, our favorite one from that group was Mateo N. from third grade, from St. Louis the King Catholic School. And his haiku was... Blood squirts from its eyes. They eat spiders and insects, carnivorous toads. We were just blown away. We just That's going, wonderful. Wow.
0: Yeah, you wonder if he actually saw this, uh, you know, or maybe was watching some type of nature documentary, but exactly. it's so visual
1: as a class, if they were going through uh, learning about animals that are native to Arizona. And he was struck by this one. But we were just blown away. It was fantastic.
0: That's amazing. Tell me about your personal connection to the art form of haiku. How did you get interested in the art form? And when did you actually start writing haiku yourself?
1: I was interested in... Japanese mythology, back starting about, oh, 30 years ago or so, um, started just reading folk tales and, and stories about, um, you know, just old stories of Japan. And you can't avoid running into haiku at that point. And then if you start reading some history and a little bit of literature, and I don't speak Japanese at all, so all of this was all in translation. But I thought it was such. A fascinating form because it's so brief and you have to pack so much meaning into it and the idea of putting a, a twist somewhere in it from line to line a break to surprise so I write them just all the time and post them on Facebook and my friends just kind of sigh and go oh yeah no not another one. um <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. How does your writing process work? Do you kind of think in five seven five sometimes and maybe you'll jot something down, or do you carve out space and say, Hey, I'm gonna commit some time to writing a haiku? How does that work? For
1: no. You? Sometimes I, I don't actually commit time to it at all. They they just sometimes I see something and I think of words and I suddenly realize, oh, that's five syllables. Right, right. I wonder if I can make that into a haiku. And particularly if I'm gardening, if I'm weeding, one of those tasks that's very repetitive, but you're... You kind of go in, into a, a, a state of mind that's empty and, and open and, and you're just right. observing without looking for things and they just come to you.
0: I believe the Japanese word for that is mushin. You're right, it's kind of like a I wouldn't say it's necessarily a trance, but maybe a freeing up the mind. That kind of happened to me when I was a a painter, not artistic painter, but just uh, painted in in graduate school and in college uh, for some extra cash. And as you say, a very repetitive, you know, action with a a roller brush, you know, and you're you're just painting feet and feet and feet of wall space or whatnot or ceilings. I found the same experience as as you did, perhaps that I began just I think thinking so. in in syllable counts.
1: Yes, I think that it frees up the mind to roam without any particular direction. And then, being outside, you do notice odd little things. You suddenly notice a bird doing something because if you're if you're there and not making any sudden movements, then they get used to you and they, they just hop around nearby and you, you suddenly observe them more and notice something that otherwise you might not see. Things like that.
0: Is there maybe uh, one more haiku that you could share with us?
1: I was surprised by this one in um, sixth grade. Daniel John from Holbrook Junior High School. And his haiku was Peyote meeting in the Hogan with Shaman Yebiche dancing. And the idea that this boy is thinking of this ceremony that's so special to the Navajos. The Yebiche are the um, the holy people, the, the spirit people of the Navajos. And the fact that he's incorporating a native culture in an art form that is so foreign. We just loved the idea that, you know, this multicultural aspect of it was fantastic.
0: Absolutely, and it kind of echoes a discussion that I had previously this month uh, in which I was talking to another haiku writer, and they felt like maybe the form hadn't been as widely accepted or, you know, maybe some academics took it seriously but not wider academic circles and they just found that that was starting to change, that over the last, say, three to five years, the art form has really opened up and you kind of hit the nail on the head on on that particular person's sentiment. There were 43 winners in total, is that right?
1: Yes, what we did was rather than choose one winner, we chose about 10 or 11 Winners in the sense of outstanding haiku. And then about the same number of honorable mentions for each age group. And, and then we had our own favorites, but we sure. didn't want to, you know, make that. Too much of it, even though judging these things is always subjective.
0: Well, Emma, I want to thank you so much for your time and talking to us welcome. about the contest. And I assume that there will be a seventh annual Matsuri haiku oh, Writing Contest next year.
1: Definitely, yes. We're looking forward to it already. And we're writing post Matsui haiku <laughs> all about the mud on our shoes and how wet <laughs> right. it was on Saturday.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know the e book will be out soon and posted on the it site. It will be, yes. right? So people yes. will be looking forward to that if, for one reason or another, they weren't able to brave the rain. A Sunday Thank ended up being pretty beautiful, though. So Sunday maybe they was got gorgeous. down.
1: Yeah. And, and it was there were a lot of people attending, so that was marvelous.
0: Emma Sansone, thank you so much for coming to Word.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Emma Sansone is a retired Italian teacher and haiku enthusiast. You can find a link to Matsuri Haiku on our website at word.kjzz.org. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. Count Me In. It's a way for you to financially support the award winning reporting, entertainment, and music you hear on KJZZ. Just go to countmein.kjzz.org. I'm Jay Allison, producer of The Moth Radio Hour, and I hope you'll join us for our show here on KJZZ. With true personal stories told live without notes to standing room crowds around the world, moth shows are renowned for the range of human experience they reveal. Moth stories aren't part of the disposable daily information flow. They stick with you. The Moth Radio Hour airs Saturday at 3 on KJZZ. Hey, it's Peter Sagel. Some people think that smart speakers are a futuristic surveillance device straight out of George Orwell, constantly monitoring you as you engage in your most private actions and conversations.
1: Well, they are. But did you know they're also a radio?
0: That's right. You can ask your smart speaker to play NPR to hear your local station and all your favorite NPR shows. And it will. It will also report you to the central ministry. But why not enjoy yourself while you still can? Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Meg Howell Haymaker is an English speech and debate teacher at a Mesa school. She asked her students to participate in our second annual haiku running contest. We caught up recently at the KJZZ studios, and I began our discussion by asking her why she wanted to involve her class.
2: I listen to NPR every morning as I'm getting ready for work and always in the car. And so I've been listening to the program and the advertisements about the haikus. And we had the rough draft of the research paper due on Tuesday. The kids were really stressed out. And I said, I just need a fun day. And so after we did the peer editing on Tuesday, I simply said, "Okay, so I have something fun for us to do. And they're (laughs) like, oh, great. (laughs) What now? And I said, so. Arizona is a beautiful state. There's lots of things here, and I talked about it. I talked about the different kinds of poetry. We wrote a sonnet last semester when we were reading Romeo and Juliet, and um, I said, so I want you to think about the state you live in, and I want you to write a haiku, and they were like, well, I wrote a haiku in like sixth grade, and I was like, <laughs> so what is a haiku? For those who you don't know, and they talked about it, and so I said, it's not due right now. Like, come with it tomorrow. And I didn't tell them what we were going to do with it. And um, they came the next day, and we sort of shared them and peer-edited them and made sure that the syllabication was correct and uh, made suggestions to improve some of the words. Each of them were helping each other. And I said, okay, now go to this website on your computers and submit your poem. And they're like, what?
0: That's outstanding. Uh, We've got a a, a tremendous response. What is it that you like about the form haiku?
2: For students, they're intimidated by poetry. And so uh, when I make them write a sonnet, they freak out because it's 14 lines. It's very structured. And what I liked about just the idea of doing this was that it is short. It is simple. It is word-based. And so the magic of the words makes the lines come to life if you will and so and they can write about anything i actually wanted them to stay with the nature so most of the ones that my students wrote barring a few exceptions of students who wanted to take a more funny approach, Uh um, were nature-based and about the beauty of Arizona.
0: Was this something that was not planned at all? You just kind of
2: arrived at it? They just needed something fun to Uh get their minds off the research paper that was due on Friday. Sure. And so it was very spontaneous. And uh, we spent the day writing poems and playing with them and playing with words. And then they had to email them to me in a particular format. And then I printed them all on brightly colored paper and put them on large sheets of poster paper out in the hallway. And so teachers have been coming by. I noticed students were stopping to read them between classes. And it's just been fun.
0: And what age group are these?
2: Uh, Primarily ninth graders is I teach uh, regular nine and honors nine. And then my seventh hour class is the advanced speech and debate class. And when some of them came in, they were saying, what are you doing? Like, what are all these pieces of paper? (laughs) And I said, "Uh, they're haikus. And they're like, well, can we do it too? And I was like, sure, you can do it too.
0: Obviously, one of the important things about what you do as an English teacher and certainly as speech and debate is you're teaching communication. Absolutely. Uh, You're teaching people how to maintain a thought through an argument for instance and a poem can be a kind of an argument sometimes it
2: very often is
0: did you find that kids made that connection that your students did when writing the haiku
2: they do wow. they they understand that they're making a statement about something and I try to teach when especially when we say study, study argumentation uh, is that any statement that they make is an argument and so you have to prove it and so then with the haiku The whole haiku is an argument, but the words they use are helping prove their statement.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of thinking of it in in a way, kind of like a mathematical proof in that regard. It is. Well, that's an interesting approach because I think sometimes... Well, I mean, you know, different people have different opinions on haiku, the value of it. A lot of times it's the first form that students learn. Uh, you know, they may learn about it, for instance, uh, elementary school and whatnot. I also feel like if you just ask somebody to name a form of poetry off the street, haiku might be one of the first things that comes into their mind. Do you feel like the students found the exercise easier? Did they really, you know, kind of contemplate and take some time with it? Some of the poems.
2: No, several of the students took them took it very seriously, and so they wanted to search for the right word. And even when they were peer editing each other's poems, they would like point out that this word doesn't work here; it's too weak, and they would make suggestions of other words. I had one student in my first hour class who's not particularly a strong student, um, and his haiku was late and I said no 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 send it to me now and he sent it to me and I s- read it out loud and the syllabication was off by two syllables and so I read the line to the entire class and I said we need two syllables and everybody's thinking thinking and then one student walked up to my desk and he goes interject sunlit and I went that works and so I asked the student who wrote the poem I was like does that work for you and he goes Yes. And so I just interjected it, and it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we forget the power of collaboration. I don't think a lot of people uh, have experience necessarily workshopping poetry, per se. I feel like a lot of times poetry is not taught very often and for many reasons. Uh, And so sometimes people can get you know all the way to college, and they really haven't had much exposure to poetry. Have you been a fan of, of poetry most of your life?
2: Most of my life. Uh I also do a, in the spring, I do a slam poetry competition with my students and I show them Sarah Kay's TED Talk. And uh, it's, it's a workshop that she's talking about how she goes into schools and teaches students to find their voice through the words and write down the things that mean something to them. And so we workshop that with my students and we do an actual competition
0: You know, certainly as we've talked about, one of the things that you're teaching with argumentation is how a person can position themselves in front of an audience and maybe to a a prospective employer, for instance. But I feel like uh, as well, and there's lots of argument uh, about this in the academy, especially at introductory levels in colleges and universities, whether or not students really need to study literature anymore as part of their English curriculum for a college or for a university. And so they might uh, have a curriculum, for instance, that focuses more on argumentation or rhetoric, And I've always felt, you know, this is my own personal bias, being a creative person, that they frequently miss out on something really important. And you kind of touched on haiku being a short exercise as a way into creative writing for people. What do you think the value of creative writing is?
2: You've touched on a really interesting point that we're – I have a student who wrote an oratory this year about how we're losing – our focus on education in such a way that we're not allowing students to be creative, to be imaginative. And creative writing, we have a wonderful creative writing program at our high school, and they write plays and poetry and short stories. What I find is when we're reading literature and writing about that literature, uh, it gives them avenues into their own expressions. And we often write like we'll mimic the writer and try to emulate uh, with our own ideas and our own stories and our own voice what they've done with the piece of literature that we just read. So we're about to start Animal Farm. And so then there's a wonderful speech in the beginning of Animal Farm that sort of is the inciting incident for the protest that happens. And so I make my students find something that they're concerned with about the world, about our school, about our community, and to write a protest speech. And so any avenue that we as teachers can find to allow students to explore their own ideas and to convert that into a creative piece of art, then we're building those kinds of creative energies that could go on to help them later in life where they're creating a business or discovering the next cure for some disease or something but all of those activities even though they seem very high order thinking scientific still take creativity at its foundation.
0: That's a really good point and something that was echoed at a recent writers conference that I attended and this particular student had majored a while back in creative writing and then came back to get A biochemistry degree and they were at the conference you know just sort of maybe reliving the more creative side but I I pulled this person aside and asked him why they happened to be at the conference and they said you know science needs ingenuity and a lot of ingenuity comes from the thinking that goes into creative writing for instance and part of the beauty as well of haiku is that they are so short you know you can write 10 or 20 of them in a day and for some people maybe in a half an hour
2: right It was interesting. The students were like, Well, write one for us. And so I said, Okay. So I turned on the projector and turned on my computer. And while I was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to write, I just started jotting down ideas and then reformulating those ideas so that they could see the creative process. Because it's not simply like you put your pen to the paper or your fingers to the computer keyboard and bang out a poem. It's sort of a process. And so I was talking through my process while I was they were seeing it on the screen. And so I wanted them to be able to emulate that, to not be afraid to change a line or to change a word or to start over or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because as we know, writing is revision. But I think it's so difficult in this day and age for people to understand that element and the importance of that element for writing
2: students don't want to revise Uh, they they want to put their first thoughts down on paper and have that be it and uh, writing is absolutely a process that takes time Uh, and especially with young writers they don't really know their own voice yet and they don't know how to create that voice so it's a the more they write the more that voice will come out
0: where do you think that you will take this? Is this something that you see yourself building into your syllabus I, maybe for years to I come? I do. Okay. I
2: actually do. I actually see, uh-huh. uh, and some other teachers were in the halls looking at the poems and they're like, well, where did you come up with this? Why did you do this? And so there's been some chatter about maybe doing our own haiku competition at sure. school. And maybe we'll do that in February, you know.
0: That's outstanding. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Meg, and thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us a little bit about your love of haiku. Did you have one that you wanted to share with us? I
2: actually do. Okay, great. I have a student Uh who emailed me this one, Okay, and her name is Abby Anderson, and she's a senior at Mountain View, and it's titled Sunset, and it reads, red, yellow, orange, streaking across the blue sky. Stop. Enjoy the view.
0: Beautiful. And characterises our state very well. That's it does. the point after all is the state of Arizona that can mean a lot of different things to different people. Meg, thank you so much for coming to word.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Meg Howell Haymaker is an English speech and debate teacher at Mountain View High School in Mesa. And now the moment you've been waiting for. What is the winning entry for kjzz's second annual haiku writing contest we received so many entries 558 haiku in total from 472 individual people and we can't thank everyone enough for entering the contest the winning submission came from caden lockwood and caden is a seventh grader at sonoran foothills school And uh, we really appreciate the submission. Here's the title. It's called Arizona Weather Animals. The Snakes Slithering, The Most Beautiful Sunsets, Wild Cats Hunting. And we like to read them twice. The Snakes Slithering, The Most Beautiful Sunsets, Wild Cats Hunting. Again, that poem was by Caden Lockwood, a 7th grader from Sonoran Foothills School. Thanks to everyone who submitted their haiku about the state of Arizona for the second annual KJZZ Haiku Contest. Congratulations to our winner, and thanks to all who entered the contest. That'll do it for this episode of Word. Find links on our website at word.kjzz.org. Send us a comment or a suggestion for a future show via the email link. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks for listening. Word. Word? Word. Was the word? Thanks for listening to Word from the KJZZ Studios in Tempe, Arizona. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org.